Psalm 23 revisited. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into depression and it hounds my soul. It leads me into circles of frenzy for activity's sake. And even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines and my inbox overflows. And surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Come on, can anybody relate to that today? Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm tired. I'm tired. Listen, hey, good morning, church. It is good to have you here in this August month as we get ready for another fall season. Good morning today to Garrisonville. Hey, good morning down there at Fredericksburg campus. Come on, just a few short months before we're in a new space. It's going to be fully renovated. It's going to be amazing. And good morning to all of you guys watching online. Today we are in the middle of a series called Living on Empty. And if this is your first Sunday with us, buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. Because to me, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about how to walk with God in, in, a, in the most basic way. How to work and how to rest. And what we're looking at in this series of Living on Empty is that God is in, he's made us and he has given us instruction about how to take rest and work and what's the relationship between rest and work. Come on, anybody can use some help there? You know, as we think about this idea of the relationship between work and rest, oftentimes we get the work right and we get the rest wrong. And, and God's saying, hey, listen, I've designed you so I know a little bit more about you than sometimes what you even know about yourselves. And so today, when we talk about this theme of rest, I want you to think about physical rest. I want you to think about emotional rest. I want you to think about spiritual rest, because all of that is going to be a part of our application as we lean in together. It is good to see you here today. And today as we kind of go forward, I want you to come back next week because next week uh, I'm gonna do a dedication prayer for back to school. I wanna pray for kids and students. I wanna pray for, for moms and dads that are rescinding. I wanna pray for our teachers, especially here in the local area and our administrators and all of our schools around us. And I wanna pray that God's gonna give favor in this 2018 fall season. Come on, do you want to come back for that? And then on top of that, next week, the best way to end a series like this is with communion. And so I hope you'll come back next week as we share that bread and cup and get reminded about the real rest that God is inviting us into. You come next week and let it be a special Sunday for us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. But to catch some of you up, if you're new to this series today, we have been looking at the story found in the second book in the Bible called Exodus. Now, the book of Exodus is talking about when God's people, Israel, are enslaved to the nation of Israel. 
Now, I'm not trying to compare our lives with Israel being physical slaves and in slavery. However, I think there's some emotional things here that Israel's experiencing that you and I probably are closer to and living closer to than we would care to want to admit. So let's just imagine for a minute, Israel is enslaved, which means they have to work every single day against their will. Seven days a week, they have to work. And the way their boss, Egypt, looks at them is they don't see people, they see machines that are producing bricks day after day after day after day. You could almost say they're becoming less and less human every day they have to work for Egypt. They don't get days off. Come on. They don't get to take Mediterranean cruises over there. Every day they work with no vacation, no relenting, and every day they're seeing nothing more than a product of what they can produce. Come on, can anybody relate to that? You know what happens a lot of times in our modern day culture is the very thing that we're known for is, hello, my name is, and this is what I do. We're known by our jobs. And maybe if we're, care, if we're not careful, our whole jobs is where we look to for our identity. We want our jobs to give us purpose. We want our jobs to give us meaning. We want our jobs to fulfill us. And if we're not careful, we become a little less human over time because all it is is all about what we can produce and what we can perform. And that's exactly what's happening right here in the state of this situation And I'm just wondering who today would admit that you have a lot of things in your life, yet you don't have a lot of significance. Come on, you you got the, the clothes and the cars and the house, yet you never feel quite satisfied. It's like we've lost sense of time. We've lost sense of purpose. And at some level, we've lost sense of even hope in our life. And and yet, even in that, I wonder if we can relate to, to Israel and their situation, maybe a little bit more careful. What if I were to ask you this right now, with your pace and your current schedule, how long can you live like that? You got another year? Can you do that another year? You got another five years living like that? How about another decade? You got another decade living at the pace that you're currently living? Or is this a good evaluation of maybe I'm in a pace that's not really humanly sustainable? And maybe God has me here for a reason today. And so that's where we are in this living on empty. Now, if you were with us three weeks ago, I gave you the first big idea, and here it was. God, in the beginning, God, right? God created humanity and God is the one who created time. And then this idea of God creating time, he does something very specific here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, on the seventh day. Watch what happens here on the seventh day. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed that seventh day and he made that day holy. Why? Because on that day he rested from the work of creating that he had done. I love this. God himself models to us rest. He shows us this relationship between work and rest. And isn't that a powerful connection? 
And you know what we don't even realize that when we push against rest and we think that we can work harder and longer and what happens oftentimes because we have a cell phone that we're always tethered to work and we're never fully away from it. Before we know it, we're just like Israel where we're under the bondage and the slavery of never being able to let it go. Yet God, the creator of the world, rested. There's something about this, that God is the one who created time. And yet he's calling us into something that a lot of us are missing. Now, last week, how many of y'all were here last week? Pastor Andrew, did he not do a great job? Even though he punked on his pastor, right? Yeah. Pastor Andrew, guess what? I got the mic this week. So as Pastor Andrew was preaching, he talked about how God now has led Israel out of slavery And one of the first things he does is he realizes he gets them out of Egypt, but he can't get Egypt out of them. And so God gives 10 commandments. And commandment number four, God commands the people now to rest. He doesn't just call them into it. Now he tells them, you have to, you have to rest. And so let's just listen to this fourth commandment right here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on that seventh day, that seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or anyone else in your house. Watch this, verse 11. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and in them but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Is that not strong? Is that not strong? God says, I've got something for you and I'm inviting you into it. Don't miss what I want to do for you. Now, Pastor Andrew, I heard he showed some pictures of me last week. Is that true? Man, oh man, oh man. Now listen, y'all might think I should be embarrassed by those pictures, but I'm gonna tell you this, I got a gift I can sleep anywhere, and my wife's got albums of me falling asleep all over the place, right? I mean, we could be at Disneyland, and I can lay down on the sidewalk and take a quick power nap. Come on, that's a gift. Anybody, anybody else a napper out there? Come on, yes. Praise Jesus. Come on, we're having a revival up in here. And so, listen, listen, I could be sleeping standing up. I might be sleeping right now. Y'all don't even know it, right? So listen, he thinks that's going to embarrass me. That's not going to embarrass me. But you know what? I know somebody else that need a little bit of sleep. How about this guy right here? Man, I love Anna, his wife. She's a Proverbs 31 woman right there. Pastor Andrew, guess what? You forgot I'm back Sunday. So listen, here you go. Get your sleep. Get your sleep right there. But isn't it interesting that as God gets Israel out of Egypt, he has to command them. He has to command them. To rest. Now, you might find this interesting. Just turn over a little bit further in Exodus. Exodus chapter 31, God tells us that right before Moses leaves the mountain, Moses is up meeting with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. Come on, y'all know what this is, right? The two tablets. And before he leaves, God says these words to him. I want you to pay attention to how serious God takes rest. Look at this, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths, for this will be a sign between me and you and for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you 
holy. Notice that. The sign between you is going to show that I am the Lord. That I am the Lord and I'm the one who makes you holy. So observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Come on, that's pretty serious. The death penalty for this? Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done. But on that seventh day, that day of Sabbath rest, it's holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. Yikes. You see, the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. And it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. And look what happens in God's life. And on the seventh day God was refreshed. Andrew read that verse last week, and that's a powerful reminder that as God rested, God was refreshed. So guess what God wants to do in you and me? He wants to give us that same refreshment. And isn't this the irony of the whole deal? God's saying, come out of slavery. Take that day off. I want you to rest. But if you don't trust me in this, if you decide to refuse my words, then guess what? You're going to be punished by death. Isn't that crazy? Come on, who wants to be Israel now? Woo, right? That's scary to think about that. Yet, I wonder somebody sitting here today, somebody even maybe watching online or even over at Fredericksburg, you're working seven days a week. You're always on. You're go, 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 go. You never turn it off. Aren't you feeling right now just a little bit closer to death every single day? It's like we're still living underneath the curse of it all. And yet in this today, God has words for us and he wants to help us. And many of us are missing this. You see, Israel had a moment here to step out of Egypt and to begin to live like God's called them and created them to live. And yet they refuse. They refuse. So the question is today, will you refuse? God's invitation to live in a different way? Because what if today you realize the way you're currently living isn't healthy to you and everybody else around you? Would you have enough courage if God reveals something today and he shows you an area you're wrong? Would you have enough courage to tell God, I agree, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And today I need to get right with you. Matter of fact, as I think about this idea of what God's inviting us into, because today we're going to continue this conversation about time and our relationship with work and rest, I'm wondering who would have the courage to step into where God's calling us to go. And so I'm going to ask you to do something with me at both campuses right quick. Would you stand up real quick? We're going to pray a prayer to God. Would you do that with me? Come on, let's stand up today real quick. And I want you to be able to see these words of this prayer because we're going, to, we're going to ask God to do something for us today. And you might not want to pray these words out loud, but here's what the words are going to say before we read them together. It says this. It says, God, give me the wisdom, the wisdom to know what is right. Then give me the courage to do what is right, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging. Would you have enough courage to pray those words out loud with me today? 
All right, here we go. Come on, come on. Right now, just kind of put your hands out to symbolize, God, I'm going to receive something great from you today. And as I receive something great from you today, here's going to be my request to you today, God. Come on, let's say it together. God, give me the wisdom to know what is right. Then give me the courage to do what is right, even when it's hard. Amen? You may have a seat. A lot of times in the church, we ask for amens, but amen actually means I agree. Did y'all know that? And, and I would say it this way, what we're talking about here today is a subject that I struggle in. I shared this three weeks ago. I'm preaching to myself in this. I preached this message about 10 years ago, and I still have a good friend in this church. Every so often will ask me, hey, pastor, how's your margin? And I'm always like, ah, oh, why do you have to say that to me, right? And so maybe when you hear these words initially, you know this is an area you're struggling in and you can't say amen because you agree, but you know you're not living it. So maybe instead of amen, you say, oh man, right? Because you know you've got to make a change and you're asking God, God, give me the courage to make that change. Come on, so amen or oh man, right? You make the decision today as we lean in. But today, as we go there, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter four because there's something in the New Testament that gets revealed to us that really makes this Old Testament passages make a whole lot more sense. And so I'd have you turn with me there. And as you turn with me there, today I'm gonna give you four principles on time that I think can help us to just keep reinforcing this in our soul. And then with that, I'm gonna give you some application of how we can live this thing out. Fair? Are you ready to go there? All right, here we go. As we talk about this idea of time, I wanna give you a number to start with. It's 86,400. Now, that's a big, big number. And this could be even more special to you if I did this for you and said, this is yours, right? If I did that today, how many of you would go, revival has come, right? That's got value, right? That has huge value and we could measure that, right? Because that's, that's a pretty good paycheck if you walked out of here with that today, right? The, however, you are walking out of here with that today, just not that, you're walking out with that. 86,400 seconds is what you and I have every single day. Isn't that interesting? Whether you're a newborn baby or whether you're a senior adult, if you live this whole day through, guess what? We all get that. Isn't that kind of equal? And you know what makes this even better? Whether you, you're rich or whether you're poor, guess what you have? 86,400 seconds today. That's what you get. It's, a, it's an equalizer, isn't it? Now, here is the other tension about this is that at the end of this day, you can't save any of this and take it to tomorrow. Because at the end of this day, these seconds are gone, no more. So really the question is today to you and to me is how am I spending my 86,400 seconds this very day? Come on, amen or oh man, you with me? And so I want us to kind of understand some things about time today that maybe can begin to stay with us a little bit longer. So here we go, write this down, the, the acrostic down here, T-I-M-E. I want you to write that down. I'm gonna give you four principles real quick. The first principle I wanna give you today is time is a treasure. Come on, don't you feel that about time? Woo, no, some of you don't feel that about time, do you? Listen, some of y'all follow me on social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And if you do, you might've thought last week, pastor was on this exotic vacation, right? Because I was out of state last week. I got to do a, a, a great wedding last Sunday. I suffered for Jesus in Key Largo on Sunday. And then I, I went up 
to West Palm, and my, my middle daughter, Sydney, uh, is beginning college her freshman year at Palm Beach Atlantic, this little bitty Christian school. Of all places for her to pick a school, she picked it at a beach, I'm telling you, right? And so here I am, a few days, Pam and, and my daughter drove down in a Toyota Corolla. I went by plane, and we met up on Wednesday, and we had three days to kind of introduce our daughter to this campus and get her settled in. And, and in this time, you know what I started feeling? Time really is a treasure, because all of a sudden in these last few hours that we had with our daughter, because the way they did this, it was this fish camp and we did some things together and then parents had to go this direction and kids went this direction. And then on Friday night, the day before we're leaving, Pam and I are sitting at a table at Mellow Mushroom about 9.30 p.m. And I look at her, she looks at me and I said, man, this is getting real. Tomorrow we're leaving here and we're leaving our middle, Sydney. She's staying here, and this is getting real. And I just want you to imagine, because maybe one of us started crying about that time at the table. <laughs> and then we started realizing tomorrow we got to leave before the whole thing's over. And, and when you're supposed to have that reunion with your kids one last time and then leave, we're going to miss that because we're going to be gone before that. And we're like, well, when are we going to see our daughter? When are we going to see our daughter? When are we going to see our daughter? And so we started texting her that night to see if we could meet up that night, tell her goodbye. And she goes, I can't tonight, I'm busy. And we're like, are you kidding me? We're leaving tomorrow, right? And so she said, I can fit you in at 7 a.m. I said, how gracious, right? And sure enough, she walks over there just enough to go, all right, bye, see ya, right? And I'm in this moment where I'm feeling this, right? She's not feeling this, but I'm feeling what? Time is what? Time is a treasure. Because now all of a sudden I'm realizing, man, things aren't ever gonna be the same again. We've, we've turned a corner here, and it's not a bad corner. It's what you want for your kids. But you know what? My daughter's never really going to be full-time with us anymore. She might come home on some weekends. She might come home on a break. She might come home for a summer. But, but it's never going to really be the same because we've turned a corner in life. And, and there's something about that where you just go, ah, oh, you know. Anybody else with me? Anybody launching kids to college right now? Right now, you in the middle of that? A few of you, come on, a few of you. You know what that feels like? Let's go further back. How many of you are walking a kid to kindergarten this year? Woo-wee, right? Man, that's going to have some moment too, right? Time is treasure. How did we get here this quick, right? We're all feeling it. But you know what? Oftentimes, we don't live in a way where we feel time is a treasure. You know why we don't? Because of this. I'll put this line up here, and you could say, that's the limit, right? That's the top of what we have. And we could make this limit about a lot of things and say, you know, this is maybe where I'm living and here's the limit of what I'm living. And we could put in the box here uh, time or we could put in the box here morality, right? We could put in the box here money, right? And the closer we live to that limit, the more pressure we feel, don't we? Think about this for a second. Time, time, who sets that limit? Come on, God did already. 86,400 seconds in a day and God has already set that limit of what that limit's gonna be and the closer you and I push against that limit with everything we're trying to do, the more what? The more pressure we'll feel. It's true about morality too. I just asked this question, even though this is not the sermon for it, who sets the limit of morality? If you're a Christ follower, it's who? It's God. 
God gives us boundaries, not because he's against us, but because he's for us. So he tells us who we are, and he says, hey, don't go outside of these boundaries because it will hurt you if you do. And so God sets this limit. Do you know the closer we push towards God's limit and we break through and go beyond, we're going to what? We're going to suffer the consequences of living beyond that limit. Y'all know this, right? Come on, same thing about money. Who sets that limit? Well, you could almost say God does, but really it's your paycheck, right? You only have so much income. And do you know the more you live closer to that income and the more you live beyond it, you're going to what? You're going to feel it. We know this to be true. This is like a practical thing. But the reason why most of us don't feel like time is a treasure is because we live like about like this to the line with no room to breathe. And so here's what happens. You're always hurried. You're always frustrated. You're always late. And you know what people who are always late, you know how they feel about time? They hate time. They hate schedules. I hate the tension of it all. Why? Because we have forgotten that life is not meant to live that close, right? That we've got to figure out how to create a, a, better, a better space. We need what? We need more margin in, in the line here. Does that make sense? Because remember... It's in the margin, we breathe in, breathe out. It's in the margin that we begin to really experience the best parts of life. Let me remind you with this next slide what margin gives you and me. Look at this right here, come on, show me that slide. What happens in the margin? It's those conversations that can't happen any other place. When you have time to sit down and to connect. Come on, laughing is what happens in the margin. When's the last time you had laughter, right? When's the last time you got to play around and got to enjoy each other? That doesn't happen if you don't create the space for it to happen. And listen, worshiping, serving, resting, all those things happen in the margin. And so God's trying to say something. Listen, I've created you to be a certain way. And then I'm also calling you to live a certain way. And I want you to see what this is all about. But don't forget what happens in the margin. Because see, time really is a treasure, but most of us don't experience that treasure. All right, look at your words again here, time, T-I-M-E. I know you don't believe this, but we have the ability to invest how we spend our days. 86,400 seconds is what you and I have been given, and you and I we get to invest that. Now, you know what's funny is most of us don't feel like we have a choice, but I'm here to tell you we all have a choice. It's just sometimes the reason we don't feel like we have a choice is because we're not willing to be proactive with our time, right? And if you're not proactive with your time, then you become what? Reactive. You got it, right? And when you're reactive with your time, everything feels urgent, right? Yet you and I, God says, I, I got a way I want you to live and I'm gonna give you some direction of how to live it. And if you'll just trust me, you'll experience rest like nobody's, nobody's ever given you before. But you gotta do it my way. You can't do it the way the world tells you to do it because you'll miss this. But proactive, reactive, proactive, reactive. I'd ask you real quick to evaluate your life right now. At work right now, are you more proactive or reactive? Hello? Hey, kids in the room, I think you understand this concept. With your parents, are you proactive or reactive? Come on, we got a couple of boundaries in our house, a couple of expectations in our house, and one of them is clean your room, right? But, but how come you can't just be proactive and see it needs to get done and simply do it? 
because if you would take the initiative to do it, you would find, I now have more free time. That's my time, right? But instead, you wait till we come in and say, did you clean your room yet? And then you wait for us to come back a second time and go, did you clean your room yet? And then you wait a third time, you go, did you clean your room yet? And all of a sudden, we've not only lost our margin, we've lost our minds, right, in the process. Are you proactive or reactive? Come on, come on. In your relationships, are you proactive or reactive? In your marriage, are you proactive or reactive? You've got a choice. And somewhere along the way, we've let the world push us into the corner, push us to the limit. And we go, oh, I just, I'm busy. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I got, I got no time. I can't, I can't, I can't, right? But you've got freedom and you're the one that makes the choices for how you're gonna spend your minutes and how you're gonna experience your days. And I'm telling you, if you begin to invest how God's called you to invest, you'll begin to see time differently than you see it right now. Come on, amen, oh man. Come on, give me some feedback today. Are you with me today? This is, this is interesting, but even in this tension, I want to take you to a place in Scripture where it gets leaned into a little bit more. So let's just, let's just kind of look here for a second. Because when I see this idea of proactive, reactive, um, here, here's the sermon that some of you needed to hear today. Come on, let, let me tell it to you. Urgent doesn't mean important. Come on, some of you take a picture. That's your sermon today. That right there is your sermon. Because can I tell you, the world that we live in, we will spend more energy reacting to the urgent and we will begin to miss the important. Isn't that true? And so what does it say here in Hebrews 4 verse 1? A couple thousand years removed from the Exodus story, a couple thousand years removed from the Ten Commandments, and yet here we are, God gives this inspiration, and they say this, the writer says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, come on, it still stands for you and me, let us be careful that none of you uh, be found fallen short of it, come on. For we also had the good news proclaimed to us just like they did. But the message that they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. You see, it's not just about hearing the word of God. It's about obeying the word of God. He says, now that now we who have believed, we have now entered that rest just as God has spoken. So I declared on an oath in my anger, it's quoting scripture here, that they shall never enter my rest. This is God talking about Israel because they wouldn't, they wouldn't embrace his way to live. They refused it. And he says, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, that on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. And again, in that passage, he says again, they, Israel, shall never enter my rest. Come on. The writer's trying to help remind us some history here that, that God pulls out, what, Egypt out of, he pulls Israel out of Egypt, right? But he takes another 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Isn't that interesting? 
He pulls them out and they wander in the wilderness and God's trying to get them back into this rhythm of work and rest and he's trying to get them and he's inviting them in and he commands them in and he says, you've got to do it this way. And yet they what? They refuse. They refuse to do it his way. And by refusing to do it his way, God wipes out a generation and they never get to go into the rest of the promised land. You see, for Israel, their promise for the future was the promised land. But the promised land was only going to be a shadow of the real rest that God wants for your life and my life. You see, they were going to get into the promised land and go, oh yeah, God is God. He's the one that's given us this, and he's given us this rest into this new land. And yet, a whole generation refused it, and they missed it. Now God's back again making his appeal again to people who will hear this good news message, except now it's not, about, it's not about a land and a shadow. Now it's about a relationship with Jesus, the son. Do y'all know that the Bible says that when we put our lives in Jesus, that you and I get eternal rest? We call that heaven. That if we're in Christ, one day when we physically pass away, you and I get this access and this entrance to heaven. Do you believe that today? Is that not good? But here's what he says. He says, but that's your eternal rest. But in Jesus, while you're still here on earth, if you will walk with me and talk with me and surrender to my words, obey my commands, you know what you'll also experience? You'll experience peace right here on earth, an earthly rest. That's what this word's saying to us. Do you want the eternal rest of heaven? And do you want the earthly peace that God and Jesus can only bring to your life? Do you want that? That's what he's trying to invite them into. And he says, some are going to hear this and some of you are going to refuse this. Do you want salvation? Do you want the Christian life? And see, it's in the Christian life where many of us get discouraged because we feel so unfaithful when we walk with God. It's like on some moments on Sunday, we feel like, okay, I'm getting it right. And then there's those moments on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday where you're like, man, I can't get anything right. Is that just me or is that y'all too? And before we know it, we feel like, man, how do I do this daily thing of working and resting and trusting and believing with God? And sometimes it's the tension of that where we feel defeated instead of the real blessing of what this could be. But can I just quickly give you this this idea, this sentence here, that the Christian life isn't just built in a day, however it is built daily. Isn't that interesting? That it really is about a daily relationship with God. And yeah, maybe I'm not where I wanna be right now today on this day, because it's not built in a day, but over time, guess where I'm gonna be? I'm gonna continue to walk with God and I'm gonna get there daily. Day after day after day after day after day. But it's going to come back to me. How am I going to invest? How am I going to invest my minutes in my time today? You see, when we look at this idea of the Christian life, I think about this this theme of what God wants for us. Because, you know what, time is a treasure. It's an investment. But a lot of times I find myself managing the time that I have. And you know what's funny is we spend a lot of time, we use a lot of technology to manage our days, don't we? Think back to those days where the new year came and you got the Franklin planner every year. You know what I'm mean? You start filling it all in, kind of looking at your year and you go, I'm already tired before the year starts, right? Because you're looking at all the things. But now we don't even need that. We got smartphones that make us smart. 
smart, right? And we can carry that around and have our outlook and it can pop up and chime at us, right? Or buzz in our pockets. And, and we have what? Everlist that we can use. We got Google calendars that we can use and we can sync up the family and everybody can get family connected, right? We can all do these things, but we got a good job of managing. But I'm wondering sometimes if we're approaching even the managing part the wrong way. Because a lot of times, you know what we're managing? All the urgent stuff that's coming at us, right? And really our managing of our calendar, a lot of times is reaction to, I gotta meet with that person. I gotta meet with that person. I gotta call that person back. I gotta get here. I gotta run that errand. I gotta go pick up this. I gotta get that. And before we know it, we plug it all in, but it's all reactionary and there's no proaction, right? There's no planning ahead. When is the last time you planned rest on your calendar? When's the last time you said, I'm, I'm going to not do something so I can have some thinking space so I can think on this? And I'm going to create some transition time because you know what we often do? We'll take one activity and put on the next calendar, the very next activity, and never forget, oh, yeah, we had to drive to the next place. And what happens is we leave one thing and we're already late to the next thing because we created what? No transition to get there. Have you forgotten you live in Northern Virginia? <laughs> It's going to take longer to get there, so go ahead and plan for it so you can have some breath and not feel a slave to the fact that you didn't plan enough time. And yet God's teaching us through his scriptures of how to manage our time. You see, rest brings rhythm to the soul. And rhythm brings life to our lives. And to me, it's time a treasure are you willing to invest and willing to manage what God's calling us to do? Now, even in that, as we think through this, I titled today's message, uh, Overtime. And I like that title. Because you think of something, I think of something when I see that title. What do you think of? You've already gone to work, right? Oh, man, overtime. I got more hours, right? But you know what? I brought that up here because I wanted you to see this again. I'm bringing a little theology in this. Who is Overtime. Come on, who created it? Who called us to it? Who's really over time? Oh yeah, McFly. God is, right? God is over time. And you know what? When we get this right and begin to see, oh yeah, God, the creator of the world, he's over time. But the personal question is, is he over your time? Is he over my time? Because a lot of times I live in a way where I think I'm over my time. And I don't surrender and do things the way God's called me to do them. And then I start to experience the consequence of what my way brings onto my life. And I'm always surprised how that feels. And I started thinking about what we miss oftentimes is the God who is always fully present. I love that about who God is. And what he shows us about time, when we do it his way, oh man we begin to enjoy the time that God has put in front of us. But see, a lot of us, we, aren't, we don't experience this, do we? It's hard to feel joy when you have no margin. It's hard to feel joy when you're living life to the limit. And we don't get there and we don't experience this truth because we're not willing to trust God and to do life and work and rest in the way God's called us to do it. This way, I'd ask you this, man, when's the last time you sat down and you watched the sunrise? When's the last time 
At dusk, you sat down and you watched the sun set. You know what? I know how you operate. You're awake during the sunrise. You're awake during the sunset. But I'm talking about when you sat still long enough and you watched it and you went, wow, God, you are creative. You are amazing. This last week, I was dropping my daughter off at West Palm, Florida. Do you know I caught some sunrises and some sunsets and I pretty much did it every single day? And it convicted me because I don't do this much when I'm living here because I'm so busy doing the next thing. But I'll tell you, there's something about when you stop long enough and you do that, you'll start to see time differently. And you'll start to experience a lot more of what could be. One of those mornings when students, the sun went, uh, came up and I was like writing in my journal because I had more time to even think there and reflect there. And I'm writing a prayer to God. And I said, God, you're always fully present. Would you help me today to be fully present? Isn't that, isn't that neat? Because you know what? The reality is we can be somewhere and be with people and not really be there. Y'all know this, don't you? And I said, you know what, there's not many times where I divide my family up and I get to have one daughter and she can be our only child. And we joke about that. And so Pam and I are with Sydney and she's our only child. And I said, God, would you help me to be fully present with Sydney and with Pam? Because this is time that's a treasure. Now, when you start praying for that, it's kind of like praying for patience, right? You know the test is coming. And sure enough, a few hours later, we were on our third trip to Target. And I'm pushing the cart, right? And now we've abandoned the list and now we're putting whatever in the cart and I'm going, where are we going? When are we done? We got, and all of a sudden I'm about to lose my mind and I heard God say, are you fully present? I was like, oh. As my wife said, come look at the bath mats. I'm like, oh. <laughs> right? It's like that battle. But the Christian life is daily, right? For me, it's secondly, <laughs> 86,400 seconds every day. Surrender God, I surrender God, I surrender God, I surrender God, I surrender God. But I want to be fully present with God because when I'm fully present with God, oh man, it makes me, it makes me better with the people around me to be fully present with them too. And then all of a sudden, I begin to what? I begin to enjoy. Come on, who wants this? Who longs for this? When I started thinking about where we could even kind of close out this message, I thought about even how the Hebrew writer gives us this thought here. Look at this, verse 6. He says, therefore, since it, is, since it still remains for some to come and enter that rest, since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them but did not go in because of their disobedience God again set a certain day calling it today come on that's a time word right there today today could be the day for you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today could be the day for you to become a Christian today Christian could be the day where you realize God's right you're wrong and you need to confess and turn back to God and to repent and come home Today could be the day where you see the hard thing that needs to change and you grab hold of the Holy Spirit and take courage and begin to make the change. The writer says, today, today. And then he says 
He did it a long time ago when he spoke through David. David was the second king of Israel, and he wrote this passage, and here's what they quote from David. It said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, when we refuse God and his word, our hearts become hardened. And then he gives another example about another leader. He says, for if Joshua had given them rest, who is Joshua? Joshua is the guy that's the successor to Moses. Joshua is the one that eventually leads Israel into what? Promised land. But he said, even as great as Joshua was, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. You see, there remains then a Sabbath rest for not just Israel, but for all the people of God. If anyone who enters God's rest also enters the rest from their work, just as God did from his. So let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. You see, God calls them to a promise, but if they don't embrace the promise, they'll never experience what could be theirs in Jesus Christ. And what's the same for them is true for you and me all these years removed. He's basically saying, come on, don't miss the future joy that could be yours. Don't miss the present peace that could be yours. Don't miss salvation. Don't miss the Christian life. Don't get stuck in Egypt. That's what he says. And so last week, Pastor Andrew said, you've been commanded to rest. And he gave us two big ideas from scripture. He said, we're to remember and we're to refill. So I want to piggyback off the refill part. And I want to get so practical with some application here. Because sometimes we hear a sermon and we're going, so what? What do I do with it? I want to give you some, some things to do. If you really want to have a life with margin, if you really want to have a life where you work and you rest and you do it God's way, here's some things that you have some responsibility of how you can invest and manage your time. So here we go. A list. I'm going to give you seven things. That's a good holy number, right? Number one on the list, most important thing on the list, I don't know how to say this any clearer than this. It's daily time with God. It's daily time with God. If the only God you get is here on Sunday, it's not enough. I'll even say it this way. You ever heard it said, you are what you eat? Spiritually speaking, this is true also. So how do you spend time every day reading scripture Putting that in your head and your heart. How do you take time to pray? And if you want to go a little further, how do you take to journal so you can recognize how God is active in your life and in your faith? You, you've got to spend daily time with God. And you know what I love? What busy people respond to when they hear about daily time with God. They say, I would love to do that. I just, I'm too busy. Right? But you know what's amazing to me? We'll spend a lot of hours watching Netflix and Hulu and being online and scrolling through social media, and playing fantasy football, right, and playing Fortnite, and we'll do all these things that are good things, but not God things, and we'll do them so much and so long that we get to the end of the day and say, oh God, I don't, I don't have any time for you today, God. But you know what? You choose how you invest and how you manage your days. We've already discovered that. So what are you going to choose? What's going to be important? Is God going to be first? 
I'm telling you, when I start my day here, man, it really sets the tone for the rest of my day. I challenge you to meet God in the morning and to let God speak to your heart and your soul and your life. Here we go, number two, look at this, come on. Real, real practical here, proper sleep. Now, I realize that's almost the tension of this culture here in Northern Virginia because y'all get up so early and have to drive so far. I get that proper sleep thing. It's hard. But you know what? You might have to figure out what proper sleep to finally get that time in. You know what I just recently saw? I recently saw that Winston Churchill, one of the greatest leaders in the world in history, he had weird sleeping patterns. He would sleep for a couple hours in the middle of the night. He'd get up and work just like Thomas Jefferson would do. And then they said that, that Winston Churchill Churchill will stay in bed all the way till about 11 a.m. working on stuff from his bed. Come on, isn't that kind of different? Come on, you know how I know that? I watched The Crown, are you with me? <laughs> but it's interesting that that's how he leveraged his day to think right so he could make hard decisions as he was leading his country through a very difficult time. What works for you? Come on, I'm telling you, some of y'all need to learn to power nap like I can, man. I'm telling you, 10 minutes will change your life. Boom, and you're up again. Let's rock, let's go, right? You need to figure out how do you do that, but you need sleep because guess what? Listen, listen, when you don't get enough sleep, you will feel it and everybody else in your life will feel it. Everybody will because it's what's, what's true. Your, your body has been wonderfully and fearfully made by God. And that sleep gives you margin to be able to think clearly and to act. Here you go. I'm a, you know, you're going to love this one, right? Exercise. Your body's wonderfully, fearfully made, right? You got to find something to move. Now, everybody didn't have to do the same activity. I get that. I don't want you to all do the same thing. But find something that's going to make you move. Come on. Some of you love sports. Get outside, play some sports, whatever that may be. If you just need to walk, walk in. If that's your starting point, do it. Walk. Go out. Kayak. Come on. Go outside. Swim. It's nice weather right now. Get outside. Do whatever you need to do to keep active. Come on. If sport and health's your thing, that's good. But can I tell you, if you go to sport and health, don't do what Pastor Jerry does. He just does this all the time. Get in there and work. Get in there and work. Take advantage of that moment and get your heart beating fast, right? Because exercise will help you because it's connected. Mental, emotional, spiritual. They all have a relationship. Here you go. I'm preaching now. Here we go. Food. I'll say it again. You are what you eat. Y'all know this, right? All of a sudden in our new day, we're diagnosing all these autoimmune diseases, right? I'm going, where in the world is this coming from? I think it's probably a remnant of a consequence of us eating a lot of processed junk. <laughs> we're putting stuff in our body that was never intended to go in our body and we're trying to do it to sustain us. Listen, this isn't like some organic sermon right now, but I want you to say this. You might pay attention to what you're eating because food gives you energy or food depletes energy. And we gotta be mindful of this thing because guess what? It's margin. It's margin if you wanna be able to live. It's taking care of your life, including the body, the temple that God made you in. Here we go quickly, number five, margin itself needs to be on your list. What does that mean? I need to add white space to every single day of my calendar. I need some space where I'm not going and doing anything. I'm just sitting and being still and thinking through things. Now this I know seems impossible for some of you because you're tethered to that smartphone and you're never away. But I'm here to tell you, you wanna create some real margin, find some time in your day where you can turn technology off. 
You need that break. You need to be unplugged. You need time away from it. Listen, parents in the room, we're raising a generation like we've never seen before because this is the first generation that's growing up with all this technology right there at their fingertips. And I'm telling you right now, we've not seen the full consequence of what this is heading. And if you want to give your kids screen time, that's not bad. But I would probably do double the time where they're away from the screen so that they can begin to have some balance in their lives and their perspective. Because we're letting the screen babysit our kids and it's hurting our kids. None of us in this room would open the liquor cabinet and say to your 10-year-old, have whatever you want, drink whatever you want. We would be like, no, we're calling CPS on you if you do that. Yet, how many of us are giving our 10-year-old kid a phone and not giving any boundaries to how they can use it? I'm telling you, we got to teach this because it's not innate in us. Even though it's created in us, we're working against margin in our life, and we need margin in our life. Come on, quickly, number six. And these aren't in an order except this one. This is the only one that's in the right order. But I'd put here family time. Family time is the way your life comes alive again. But see, here's what happens. Because we're living life to the limit, and because we have no margin, our families even irritate us. But if we just would back up enough and start to spend some time, all of a sudden we'll start to see time as a treasure and enjoyment starts showing up all over again. But if we don't have enough courage to make that part of our calendar and we don't invest and manage, Everybody suffers. I'd simply say find simple things that you can do as a family. Here's the most simple way. I'm telling you, if you still have kids living underneath your roof, I want you to fight, 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 fight for any day of the week you can sit at the dinner table all together. And you might not be able to do all seven days. I get that because of schedules. But any day you can, sit down at that table. I'm telling you, real discipleship happens when you're breaking bread and eating dinner together. The way we've kind of made that fun in the summer for us is we ask each kid to make a meal. And then we judge who makes what, right? I, I get that. But, but you know what happens is it's this kind of this idea of sharing and laughing and talking. And I'm telling you, margin happens at the dinner table. Come on, road trip your kids. Kidnap them. Go do some mystery thing for the afternoon. Find ways to connect. Because I'm telling you, when you're getting family right, it's amazing how that helps you in every other way of your life. And then the last thing on the list, Friendships. Hey, men, guess what? You need men. You need friends. You need people in your life. You need healthy friendships. Listen, you got enough in this world that's draining you. Who in your life fills you? When's the last time you've been with a good friend and y'all started laughing about something and you laughed so hard you started crying because you were laughing so hard? When's the last time you laughed like that? And man, you're just, it hurts so good to connect like that. That's what friendships can do. I would flip it around and say, who could you be a friend to? Sometimes in this economy, I don't have, I can't give, I can't do. By giving it, you don't even realize how you begin to receive it. Maybe you could be that friend that could help that person that's so stressed to the max to help them to maybe lighten up and laugh a little bit and just give them a little bit of time. Come on, can it get any more practical than this? And yet this is what's possible if we would just simply live like God's called us to live but just like Israel what are you going to do with what you've just heard you're going to refuse it or are you going to repent and trust it to be the best way Israel refused it and look what happened to them they missed the promised land altogether 
at least that generation. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back up. And man, today has been, I think, just a strong word in terms of just looking at our lives together of how we can be refilled. But I just wanna, maybe as they're setting up to, to lead us in this final song, I just want to call us back to a theme passage that we've looked at because I think somebody here today is not a follower of Jesus. And I just think today maybe God spoke to you in the greatest burden of your life so that he could invite you to see what's possible for you if you would just surrender your life to him. But I I know today I'm talking to a lot of believers in this room and at Fredericksburg and even online And I believe today, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he's convicted some areas of our life. And the question is, what are we going to do with what we've just heard? Before you make a decision, can I tell you what God says to you right now in this moment? Specifically what Jesus, the Son of God, says in this moment to you? Here's what he says to you. Watch this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Could that be you today? He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Watch this. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you willing to take that from Jesus today? Or are you stuck in Egypt? Don't refuse where God's inviting us to go today. It's time. It's time to know what's right. It's time to have enough courage to do what's right. Because we started there, come on, let's stand up and say this together before we sing this final song. Let's pray one more time to God because now you've got some real application of what you just heard. And now this is where the rubber meets the road. The real so what is what do I do with what I've just heard from God? So let's join our hearts together one more time together and let's say these words to God. Come on, say it with me. God, give me the wisdom to know what is right. Give me the courage to do what is right, even when it's hard. Amen? Come on, let's sing.